Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Chillport Podcast, episode 278. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games? Question mark? Not that many games that I've been playing recently, so some light updates on some titles we're already talking about, um, but I did spend a lot of time this week smacking my head away at old PC stuff, so if you're interested in old Windows machines trying to set that up and all the fun trial and tribulations of that, that's going to be a chunk of the show this week. Um, but in the news, we also got some Google Stadia stuff to talk about. Uh, Sega's doing their NFT thing. And then also Wild Hearts, which is that new uh, EA Koei Tecmo Monster Hunter style game. So we'll talk a little bit about that here. But first and foremost, I need to apologize yet again. I lied to you twice, two months in a row. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 video I put out a week earlier than expected. Wow, what a jerk. Um, and then also, um, I was said last week on the, the, the podcast that I was going to put out a Doraemon video this week. That did not happen. Instead, I did the Chibi Robo video instead. And you're like, Ben, wasn't Chibi Robo supposed to happen at the end of next month? It's like, yes, I finished the video for Chibi Robo about two days before the Doraemon went up. And the reality was, is like, I think the Chibi Robo one I should get out sooner rather than later. Personally, I'm already way behind on it. I knew about the whole topic I want to talk about since 2020. It was just a matter of doing it. And here I am in 2022, the end of 2022, finally putting up a video about it, right? So it was well overdue and I just wanted to get it out basically. So, you know, on my side, it was as simple as switching some dates around on some posts basically. But yes, I ultimately went forward with the Chibi Robo video. So Doraemon will be next month. I promise you that. I promise you that. Unless something crazy happens and I need to like really smack dab change course, I can't imagine anything will get in the way of Doraemon being next month. Also, I'll be out for like some stuff in October. So very fun times and I probably won't get a chance to throw something together. Um, November is probably gonna be like panels only, I think as well. But anyways, Chibi Robo video came out. If you don't know what that is, basically that's a video about me going through a old 2016 trailer that uh, Skip uploaded um, or rather, the CEO of Skip uploaded to YouTube, but not that many people saw. But somebody in the Chibi Robo community made me aware of it. And um, I've seen it talked about a few times in the Chibi Robo Discord, but I never really saw it talked about anywhere outside of that. So I decided to go ahead and just do like a deep dive on that video. Um, there's not a lot new in the video, I will say. It is mainly me talking about that trailer, what it presents. It's called Baby Robo Save the World. And I think the idea is kind of interesting because it's like uh, basically a baby robot who has like bodily functions that you know replaces the chibi robo like gadgets and stuff like that um so you know if you want to clean something up you pee on it kind of thing um and i thought it was kind of like a fun i don't know most people seem weirded out and grossed by it and i understand um but also i kind of was just like i don't know i kind of like uh, is it kind of a new take on that chibi robo concept in a way that i thought would be maybe a little refreshing while still sticking to the original game idea that and I mentioned in the video that like I think Japan has maybe some different you know thoughts behind you know children's bodies and how they're portrayed and things like that so I I feel like there's something to be considered there but anyways that being said I want to put a video out about that and talk about that I also want to like add some context as well because um when the person showed me that video it made me kind of realize like a lot of the pieces of what I was talking about in that original Chibi Robo video where I talked about, you know, Skip shutting down, them incorporating and all that stuff, that all seemed to connect to Baby Robo. 
saved the world in some way. Um, so Baby Robo saved the world seemed like the last piece in that puzzle to kind of put down. I just took way too long to put it down for you guys. So anyways, it's there. It's out. The people who watched it seemed to um, enjoy it. So that, that made me happy. Some Dis Chibi Robo Discord fans kind of showed up there and uh, left some comments, which is nice of them as well. Um, I did submit it off to a few different like Nintendo websites um, for uh, for their news tip or whatever. But I didn't get any response, actually. So I'm not sure it just was too old to be interesting or if Chibi Robo just doesn't have the same pool as it used to in a lot of ways. Or maybe also, I think if you want to be, you know, critical of the video, I think in a lot of ways in the video, I kind of just like, this seems like what this is. I don't like really go out of my way to do a ton of research to solidify it and like, you know, join pieces together and like weld them together with facts and information, right? I'm like, here are these things laid out in front of us and I have drawn lines to them, right? <laughs> so, which I mean, was kind of how the original TV Robo video was. Yeah, I don't have the resources to go and like, you know, talk to people that matter in the industry really at all so or at least not the connections for it so i don't i don't think i really could have done that much more honestly um and i think if i did go and really dig into stuff i i had this problem in the original video where like i started digging into people's like employments and their social media and i just started feeling kind of gross and like a like oh i'm kind of digging into these people's lives kind of way so i kind of pushed off of that because i didn't like doing that, which is why in the video I made a comment. It's like, hey, don't go bother these people because it just, to me, it felt bad just doing it. You know, you're like going through this per person's like social media and you find the one Chibi Robo thing in there. Yeah, but that's like after you scrolled through like a bunch of like family photos they posted up on their social media. And like, I don't know. This just feels like a personal moment that's not for for me kind of thing, right? So yeah, I I feel a little weird about that to some degree. But anyways... Point being, I had fun with the video. Um, you know, like I said, it was kind of a light video, but um, I took that time to just kind of play around with some ideas, have some fun with it. There's a little like little like YouTube video within a YouTube video segment. I mean, it's not anything innovative. I know that happens in other videos, but I thought it was like a fun way to be like, hey, let's highlight something I said in the previous video. And I played around with how that thing was set up. I had the baby floating in the sky as the two people were screaming at it kind of thing. So just some fun little things in there. So anyways, I hope you watched it. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, and we'll see if it gets any traction. I'm going to guess probably not. We'll see though. Who knows? You never know what kind of people stumble across these things at some point. But I feel like that video, unless it gets picked up by like a news outlet, it's probably going to kind of just simmer there and, and exist <laughs> in the world. So anyways. Video games I played, though. Again, like I said, not a lot. Um, I did play some more Farland Story. I played like four hours, so I have maybe another like six or eight hours to go still. So still pushing through that thing. I want to be clear. I mean, I, I probably say this every week and I just forget. But like, when I say I'm bored by Farland Story FX, it's not It's because it's a bad video game. Like, I am bored by Super Mario Bros. 3. I do not like playing Super Mario Bros. 3. I think it's a boring video game. But it's not because it's a bad game. And it's not because I think you should be bored by it. I'm just like, this plays like every other Mario game to me. So I'm like, I kind of don't care because it just feels like a Mario experience. And that's why I was so impressed by Super Mario World. Because Super Mario World felt really, um, I guess, like like a really big... like Despite only being a 2D Mario, right? It felt like a big evolution, of the Mario concept, where I don't really feel like Super Mario Brothers 1 or 3, 
I mean, it definitely adds a lot, but I, I don't know. And then like Super Mario World also kind of feels like the Mario 64 in some ways. I made a whole video about this. I won't talk about this anymore. But anyways, point being, sometimes if I say a game's not very fun, it's because I'm bored by the ideas in it, not so much the game itself. And Farland Story Effect is a very cut and dry strategy role-playing game. So um, yeah. Not a lot going on there. Uh, my friend actually asked me, he's like, do you prefer Farland Story FX or Sparkling Feather? I'm like, absolutely Sparkling Feather. Sparkling Feather is a train wreck of a video game on the PC FX, but it's got some things going on that I think are really interesting. So anyways, played a bit more of that. Fun times. I'm hopefully gonna escape that tunnel soon. I feel like I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't know how far out that light is. So um, I played more Babylon's Fall this week. I actually played with a friend, so I got to play some multiplayer. Um, really not a ton new there because I mostly went back with him to play old content. So we just kind of, you know, went around and went through those dungeons and I'm over leveled, so I <laughs> blew through a lot of things. Um, but um, there's two things that did give me a chance to check. One, well, one thing I didn't ask to check or anything, but he mentioned there's an accordion guy in the uh, lobby, which tells me, oh, the accordion guy wasn't changed at the season. It actually just changes like story progression probably. So um, I mentioned that last week. I won't get into details if you don't know what that is. Don't worry about it. Um, the other thing though was the water physics though. And this is the big one. And I think kind of digs into the narrative of, of how I feel about the final state of Babylon's Fall in some way where um, the uh, water physics in that game initially would slow down your speed, probably about like half. I actually played that section on stream and I didn't, you know, being on stream, I did not read what I was supposed to do. So I just kind of went right in the water and then just went through the dungeon super slow. I was like, this is questionable. Um, but the real thing you're supposed to do in that, that part, and they tell you, like, there's a character talking to you about it. They're like, hey, you should do this kind of thing. Um, so it was just me streaming and not paying attention. But the real thing you're supposed to do is you're supposed to use these slow grenades. And these slow grenades um, you can use to, like, basically freeze the water and walk across it. So the whole point of that dungeon is kind of freeze the water and then move forward kind of thing. And I'm trying to remember... I can't remember for sure, but I believe if you were underwater and you threw the slow grenade, it also would create pockets where you were free to kind of like move around at your normal speed. Um, so that's the, that's the gimmick of that dungeon at that point. And then later on, if there's water, it's still a thing, but it's not really the main gimmick. It's just like a penalty for you falling in the water. And then it's just like, Hey, get out of the water, buddy. Um, so, but, um, yeah, but the whole point is like use these slow grenades to kind of get through that. And now they've, removed that like physics the water physics basically or whatever you would want to call it and it basically you move at full speed underwater and you can't even feel it like it's almost impossible to tell if you're above water or underwater outside of the visual effect basically so you know i think it just kind of rolls into the thing of like hey with babylon's fall they were probably just pulling away at any little abrasive piece that anybody mentioned but i think in doing that they really started pulling away at you know the guts of what made that game in some ways and i think Dungeon variety is an important thing in a type of game like Babylon's Fall. Um, personally, at least, I, I, I know that you know if you're grinding that dungeon over and over and over again, it might not be the most ideal way to, um, you know, have that. Might be it not be the ideal thing to go through over and over and over again, but like from that first impression, the first time you go through the dungeon, I think that's that's an important thing to make each of these areas feel unique and interesting. Um, and I think maybe if, if, you know, they had more budget, one way they could have handled it is maybe you got an item later on that basically would negate water. So when you enter water, maybe you had like a slow field around you that made it so you move normally, basically, or something like that. But yeah, I think just like ripping it out, just kind of 
makes that part of the game just feel like the beginning of the game. I don't know. It's one of those things that I just, I think it's just tearing away a little too much. I think it's the same thing with like the paintbrush strokes. Like it's not a huge deal, but I think the game definitely benefited from the paintbrush strokes. Um, although I did go into like the volcano area and apparently like the lighting effect changes, like how textures appear in that game significantly. And so you kind of get a visual effect that feels a little more closer to the original like texture work in some ways. So it's interesting. Uh, I'm still enjoying it though, either way, playing through it. So I plan to try to finish that up before the game shuts down, hopefully. So that was it in terms of stuff I've really played. Um, however, this week I went down an adventure. So this is kind of an extension of the ongoing wanting to clean up my house or my apartment and everything. You know, I did fix the whole stream setup a little bit. It's a little, a little iffy still. If you're watching the video version, don't look at my armpit. There's like a weird little um, <laughs> graphical glitch going on down there. I don't know what to do about that yet, but we'll, we'll find out something. Um, anyways, but, uh, but I had a stack of PCs and I was like, I want to make these PCs do something. I had these old PCs that I basically hoarded from my last job is like, I want to try to do something with this. And I have three PCs over there. One is the Dell PC that I previously installed Windows XP on. However, the operating system on it um, died for whatever reason. I don't know what happened. It would get stuck in a boot loop where it's stuck launching into Windows XP. Um, then I had a Dell laptop um, that has a broken screen, but I can use the VGA outport. And then I also had an HP and the HP was missing its video card. Um, so yeah, it was like, okay, well, I have these three things. Let's try to see if we can install XP on all of them and see if one of them will work as a Windows XP machine because I've been wanting to have a long-term Windows XP machine because it's a lot better with compatibility with Windows 95 stuff. You know, not perfect, but it's better. And so, um, with the HP missing its graphics card, my previous issue with the Dell, um, desktop that, that was having the, uh, the issues with the operating system, I decided to go ahead and uh, basically install XP on the laptop with the broken screen. Um, I got all that done and actually went really well overall. Um, and I got the, you know, the first kiss story stuff up and running on there. You know, I got Hunex Fighters 98 working on there, a version two. Um, I got the desktop accessory disc games. And then the other thing I decided to do was, um, and the X68000 Dogen disc. If you don't know about this, this is one of those like college university discs that I got when I was in, uh, Japan at Comic Cat. And uh, I got the 2019 disc that they, they put out. And on there, they actually have games back to 1999 on the disc. However, many of them are impossible to run unless you, you know, have an environment for them. You can't just run them in Windows 10 or whatever. So you have to, some of them I don't even run on, can't even run on Windows XP. I have to run them on like a DOS machine or something, which I think I could probably do on the PC98, honestly. Um, but anyways, I haven't tried those DOS games out yet. Um, one step at a time. So I installed that on there and there's actually some really cool games on there, um, that I was checking out and was having some fun with. The problem with that laptop though, is that it is VGA out only. And I have not figured out the situation with VGA out and how that works in my capture setup. So I did try to utilize some of the things I use for my PC98 because there's some some equipment I use in that setup that was at least, you know, input-wise compatible. However, I have those pieces for certain reasons in the PC98 setup, so, you know, um, it, it might be causing interference that way. So I tried to set it up using that. It unfortunately did not work very well. Um, it, 
I had some, I don't know if this is a greater issue kind of thing, but I, the OS kind of came in really blurry on the capture card, which maybe is just an issue with, you know, something with capturing a Windows operating system kind of thing <laughs> on a on a screen smaller than a normal screen kind of thing. Um, and then the other issue I was having was when I launched games, uh, my, my upscalers were not playing nice with the new resolution, basically. So I was like, I kind of got stuck. I was like, I don't know what to do about this. But I, I had some fun with them just playing around. And I was like, okay, well, this is like good enough for the laptop. This, this stuff is in playable condition. The one thing I did do on the laptop as well is I bought a Logitech controller. It's like an F3110 or something like that, or F310. Um, and it has a Windows XP driver, so that's why I picked it up. And it has like a DirectX like X input, or has a Direct and then an X input um, toggle on the back, you know, if you want to, do, depending on the, you know, controller standard you need for it. The controller itself is like fine enough, and I won't be using it very often probably, so not a big deal. Um, and I plugged that in, but when I plugged that in, I noticed Hunex Fighters 98 did not launch anymore. And I was like, why? And then when you unplug the controller, Hunex Fighters 98 will launch. So something's going on there where that game does not like me having a that controller at least plugged in ahead of time. The game does support gamepad support. So I don't know. But anyway, so so I got that whole thing set up. Um, I just couldn't capture it. So um, in the meantime, after I finished that, um, the HP capture card or not capture card graphics card came in. And so I was like, okay, well, let me just try this little HP setup as well. That capture or that, that graphics card has an HDMI out. So maybe the situation will be different using an HDMI cable versus using a VGA cable. Cause you know, I, I would, if I go and start buying stuff on the internet, trying to fix this problem, you know, it's going to start getting me in some, like a hundred plus dollar hole. So I might as well stick with the graphics card that cost me like 15 bucks initially, first and foremost, it's like some kind of AMD card that shipped with it. Um, but anyways, so, uh, but they, they was gutted at some point, uh, probably at the office cause it was something that somebody else could use on another machine basically. Anyways, so I got that thing set up and I installed Windows XP on there and actually worked worked really well and I could get things to go to the um, capture card through the HDMI, just direct plug in HDMI. Still have the issue with the OS looks like really blurry for some reason, but the games themselves would look pretty clean overall um, and they would actually capture, which I was kind of surprised, but you know, again, maybe something to do with me using a VGA connection versus an HDMI connection and like what type of signals being sent, you know, from the HP versus, you know, from that Dell laptop um, or something like that, right? I don't know. Um, but the problem I ran into is that a lot of games on the HP, like a lot of the X68000 games um, have issues with the graphics card specifically. And I think it has to do something with the DirectX version that's like maybe installed with the drivers of that card maybe. Because I am I, consistently seeming to get some kind of DirectX error. And I tried to see if, like, I didn't do a ton of research on this. So if you know how to do this, let me know. Um, I didn't see if I could like roll back DirectX at all. Um, but I didn't like go out of my way to install it. So I assumed that it was already installed with like the graphics card drivers, maybe. I don't know for sure. If you're like, Ben, you're stupid. It's because I don't know what I'm talking about. But, but anyway, so I, I went ahead and in, uh, installed that. Uh, I tried installing some older versions of DirectX just to see if that would work and it didn't fix any of the problems. So I'm in this situation now where like I have one where most things run fine but I can't capture it because it comes out of the VGA port instead of the HD instead of an HDMI port. And then I have another PC where I have the HDMI port, 
but most things do not run so fine. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm kind of in this weird in-between spot. So what I'm thinking of what I'm going to do next is because I never really got to test the Dell very much. And I don't know for sure, but I suspect the issue of the OS kind of rebooting on itself may have been due to me not setting up the hard drive correctly in the first place. So I'm going to try to wipe the HP drive yet again um, and just go install that back into the Dell and just see what happens. First, I'm going to see if the HP or if the drive itself, you know, starts having issues just to make sure it's not a hard drive issue. Um, because it's the same drive I pulled, I pulled the same drive out of my Dell. I just reformatted it or deleted the partitions and reformatted it and all that stuff. But, um, so I was able to, uh, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to do that next. I'm pretty sure that is my thought process there. But, uh, I think what we'll do before I shut down that HP machine or re re reformat it is because it is really friendly with output, um, for now, what I'll plan to do is I, I think we'll probably save it until maybe this week. Honestly, I don't know what the stream plans are for this week because I have family in town for the majority of the week and I'm going to go spend time with them and I don't really know what that schedule looks like. So I, I get a feeling that this week I'm just not going to know what the stream time is going to be, but maybe instead of playing Napple Tale, um, we'll just stream some, some old Dojin games. Um, the ones that work at least, cause again, I can pretty much do HDMI out and then a, um, if the audio doesn't work, I can just use like the, uh, video or the, the line out on the PC and put in the microphone port. Not the most graceful solution for audio, but it works well enough kind of thing. Uh, the first kiss story, um, mini games also do not run particularly well on the HP either. For some reason it runs super slow on the HP. So something's going on there. Um, but Hunex fighters pretty much works pretty well. Again, the same issue with the, uh, Logitech card or Logitech, uh, gamepad preventing it from launching though so i don't really know what the problem is with that um but maybe someday i'll be able to figure it out i just I, I don't even know where to even begin with an issue like that so uh yeah maybe i don't know we'll see maybe i'll get another cheap like controller and see what happens if i try a different controller and see if that plays nicer and if it's something specifically with that dell <laughs> controller or not dell logitech controller or something like that so anyways windows xp fun times finished it's Patreon time. Welcome to the Patreon Corner, where Henry Dagger hangs out right alongside Jillian. They're just sitting there. What are you guys drinking? What are you guys drinking together? Having a good time over there? Well, great. Glad glad for you, Henry and Jillian. Enjoy your drinks. Um, and then also Discreet and Paul Daniel hanging out over there. What are you guys doing? What do you got? Got paper? Nice. Nice paper, man. Okay. Um, thank you, Patreon people, for contributing to the Patreon. If you did not know, at the Patreon, you can donate, donate, give me, whatever you want to call it, purchase bonus videos. Uh, $5 a month will give you access to bonus videos. This week, we have a No More Heroes 2 uh, review commentary. So I'm just uh, basically providing some commentary over my old No More Heroes 2 video review that I did for the Speed Gamers back in the day. Um, so yeah, that, that's what's up this week. Um, and then I had the Kaminazo video that came out last week. So look forward to that. Um, at some point I got to get the CRT video up, up on there. I think that might be the next Patreon pass. We'll see. I don't know. I don't remember what's coming up <laughs> on the Patreon. I've, I've planned some things out in, in advance. I don't remember if I planned out, um, whatever's after the, uh, next Kaminazo video or not, but anyway, so thank you guys again for supporting me. And if you want to support me, $5 for those bonus videos um the other thing you can do on the patreon is ask a question like jillian asked 
where she asked, hello. She did not say hello. I'm adding that in. Hello, Jillian. Um, uh, favorite licensed games. Um, you know, I went through my backloggery and I thought, um, there'd be more games that I've played, at least that I've marked my backloggery. Usually if I beat something, it should be on my backloggery. However, there were not that many, actually. I was kind of surprised. Um, so the big ones, well, one, one is if, if, if the Doraemon video was not within the vicinity of this question, um, I would talk about Doraemon right here, but I do like Doraemon. I do like the gadget implementations in Doraemon a lot. Um, and I would look forward to playing more Doraemon games because I want to see how each of those games implement gadgets in different ways. I think that's exciting. I think like because those games are licensed games and they kind of sway between different genres, um, it makes a lot of opportunities for there to be really cool things. So um, that's something I want to say about Doraemon before I uh, skip over it unceremoniously because I have a video coming up about Doraemon next month. Um, and then the other thing I could only really think of was, uh, I do like Sword Art Online Hollow Fragment a lot, but not because I like that game. Um, <laughs> that's a weird way to put it. I don't think Sword Art Online Hollow Fragment is a good video game, and I don't think what makes it interesting was particularly planned to be that way. Um, because if you don't know, Hollow Fragment is a combination of the original PSP game and, well, it, it was a, the PSP game, but then there's the Vita game, but the Vita game was never sold separately from it, right? So it is essentially, they took the PSP game and stacked on this Vita game on top of it, basically. Um, and it creates this very bizarre situation because they don't require you to play through the PSP game to get to the Vita game. And they don't, like, ask you at the start, which one do you want to do? They both exist side by side. Um... And they use the same mechanics and everything, but the world design is incredibly different. The pacing is incredibly different. The goal of them are very different, but they exist within the same world with each other. And they're both equally as important. And that game is not particularly fun. And I, it's very Farland story where, like, at some point, two hours or three hours into playing that game, I'd be like, oh, my God, I just need to do something different. And the weird thing about that game was, like, doing something different was built in. You're like, I'm going to go check out this other story content in other story land, the Hollow Fragment world, where the world design is different. And it's like an open world kind of video game thing versus this, like, really corridorish linear dungeon kind of design. So you kind of, like, hop back and forth and, like... It feels like you're playing two different video games at once, but, like, you're jumping your character in between them in some weird way. So, like, I really like that about Hollow Fragment a lot. But, again, neither of those things on their own are great video games standalone. It's just the fact that they're shoved together in the way they are is very fascinating. And I don't know if that was just a... I guess the lazy approach would have been, hey, play through the PSP one and play through the Vita one, right? So it probably wasn't very lazy. I mean, I think it probably was... I would think it would be fairly challenging to make sure like all that stuff lines up in a way where they can coexist at the same time with characters. I think there are situations where like characters might disappear for story stuff. So it like impedes your progress in the other story. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a really fascinating video game, um, mainly because it is, you know, 
they were padding the video game <laughs> with, with other other content. So um, if you had already played the PSP one and went into the Vita one and just played the Vita one, it might not be that exciting. Um, but the, the PSP one never got localized. So, you know, if you're in, in the US, at least it was your first time playing both of those games, probably, or at least within... I was going to say within your own language, but that game has a great reputation of being horrendously translated. Um, and I don't, I don't even know how that happened. It was very weird. The, the wording on everything in that game is very bizarre. I don't know if it was like somebody who just did not understand English very well, or if like they threw it through machine translation and just did not massage it as much as they should have. So anyways, that's it for licensed games. So thank you again for submitting to the Patreon. Like I said, there's the No More Heroes 2 article reading coming this week. If you want to ask a question for next week's Patreon, uh, the question post will go up on the Patreon feed on th- at 3 p.m. on Monday. So feel free to go and ask a question there. You can ask a question anytime between Monday and Friday. Um, usually Friday afternoon is when I record. But if you do leave a question too late, I will roll it over to next week afterwards. It's news time. Welcome to the News Corner. We got some exciting news. I mentioned this in the Tokyo Game Show show but ea was working with koei tecmo to make a hunting game and they finally revealed it finally it's only been like two weeks um it's a game called wild wild hearts it's a game called wild hearts uh and this is very much a monster hunter style game that's for sure it is mostly you know kind of big demon monsters it is that kind of feel japan setting um and and you know each character having you know their giant weapon kind of thing that they go around with and they smack this giant monster um there's not a lot to say about it at this point the the couple of things that were kind of worth talking about is um one is that it does at least aesthetically looks pretty close to tokyoden but you know one being field japan the other one being field japan kind of makes that connection happen um but the the kind of big gimmick of this game seems to be that you have like an arm that can like build stuff and so you can build like giant hammers that like swing down you can build bombs or you can build like little uh jump pads that let you like parachute around this like little spinning thing that you can use to kind of fall jump onto enemies and uh, and things like that so um they have not showed that many details yet but i thought that was like an interesting little gimmick you know I, i'll be curious to see how it's implemented if it's actually implemented in a fun way or if it just is like a visual way to basically represent items but it looked like it at least was a a neat little thing um the other big thing is that visually this game looks really nice it is a current gen only title so it's ps5 xbox series title and also uh pc I think it's like Epic Game Store and EA Origin, I believe. So it looks really cool. It's coming out in February, which is like surprisingly soon. So I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, I probably won't play it near launch or anything like that, but I I will be a bit excited to get to it eventually. Um, we're actually probably going to play through Tokyoden 1 here in the next year or so. I mean, long-term planning on this stuff. So, you know, when I'll actually get to Wild Hearts might be well after the fact. But um, I'll be curious to see how it turns out, especially since EA's involved, if it's going to end up with any kind of EA's, you know, microtransaction-y kind of stuff, or if it's going to be pretty straightforward and, you know, fit into the Monster Hunter um, uh, formula of just like, hey, here's the main game, here's the DLC expansion, things like that. They did make a point that they are the first true, like, current-gen hunting title, um, which is a, a good point because Monster Hunter Rise, you know, is a Switch game, but that's obviously 
kind of a different level of performance on versus like a PS5 and an Xbox Series X. So it's inter- interesting to see them trying to get into this space. I feel like it's been a long time since we've seen anyone try to get into this hunting space. So I'm really excited to see somebody trying again. Obviously, I'd prefer things to be a little more unique um, in terms of like maybe not fitting so closely to like the Tokiden kind of aesthetic at the very least but you know at least the the gimmicks and things like that seem to be wholly unique overall so far so very exciting we're back on the nft train sega is getting to nft trades this is not going to be your weekly nft podcast but I, i i felt like it was worth talking about for a couple of reasons um one is that this is a nft game um based on the sengoku uh Sango Kushi Tyson arcade series, a series that I wish I was into. It's like a arcade strategy game where basically you have these cards you put down on the table and you move them around and it moves the characters in the game. Um, it's very similar to like the Dragon Quest Die game I've talked about in arcades before as well. Um, and it's been out for a long time and I've always wanted to try it out. And there's actually a DS version of this game that Kamimi did an article on at once or at one point. So, um, you know, whether an NFT will benefit, will be a benefit to that, I don't know. I mean, I guess in some ways you can view it as like a digital trading card, I guess, but you can already, you can already do that. I think that's the big thing. I keep coming back to the NFTs. You can already do that. But what's, what's, I think was interesting were two things. One, this is a double jump Tokyo joint. So this is still the people who worked on the Million Arthur NFTs. Um, and they recently announced, as we talked about last week, that Million Arthur NFTs are going to get a game soon. So it'll be interesting to see what these games look like, if they're going to look like anything of value, uh, or if they're just going to look like something that is not interesting at all. I don't know. I'm curious um, about it, but I, I don't think I have any, I don't, I'm not like excited about it. Um, but the other thing I thought about is um, when I was reading the um, Silicon, Era, Silicon Era article about this, they had mentioned the fact that previously Sega said they wouldn't get into blockchain gaming and let, if they felt like there'd be a big enough pushback from uh, gaming fans. And obviously, Sengoku Kushi Tyson, I, I don't know if I pronounce it, Sang, Sangoku Chi, Sangoku Chi, is that right? I don't know. Anyways, if they are, um, you know, using that franchise, obviously the audience is very focused in Japan. And Million Arthur also is a very Japanese focus. I actually tried to buy a Million Arthur NFT once, if you remember that whole story. Because there was a picture of the, I forget it was like, Uhara or something like that, the little bunny girl standing in front of like a burning pile of money. And I just thought it was like a funny NFT to get. (laughs) So I was like, I'll pay $5 for that. I mean, I don't think it's going to do anything. I don't want it to do anything. I just want it to be sitting there and me being like, yeah, that's my one NFT in the world. (laughs) Um, But um. The big thing it made me think about is like, well, if they're talking about like how will players be pushed back and this is very Japanese focused initiative, um, it makes me think about, I actually don't know how NFTs in like blockchain in general are received in Japan. Obviously in the West, if you're like on Twitter at least or something like that, right? Um, it's very negatively received um, in, in the gaming journalism space as well. Um, I don't want to say that's right or wrong or anything like that. I, I think I've been unimpressed by NFTs so far at the very least. Um but uh, I'm curious if J- Japan, the J- Japanese audience feels differently about it. Obviously, I'm not talking about like, you know, the mom and pop on their 
phone on the train kind of thing um but you know in the the more hardcore spaces um i do remember that like uh square enix ceo at the time uh when they were first getting into nfts mentioned the fact that they think people into nft gaming and people into normal gaming will be very different people so it could be that sega's just identified that group of people and they are willing to push forward on that group of people since they're not going to push back on it so maybe the bigger thing would be with sega is that they don't want to introduce nfts into you know uh mainstream games if they believe there will be pushback or something so and it's, it's i thought it was an interesting scenario and you know we're, i am also kind of interested just to see what these end up looking like um but again i just don't see the value at this time but i do hope someday i do play Sengoku kukushi tyson someday either the arcade version or the ds version or the nft version again i don't know what we would have to do to make the nft version work for me but if if it looks good for whatever reason and it makes sense to be based around NFTs, then if as long as they can find the reason, I don't have a problem with them. So at least in terms of a gaming sense, right? Uh, there's a whole other drama around cryptocurrency and NFTs in general, but yeah. Um, and then the other fun thing, I'm going to go two somewhat hot takes, I guess, in a row. I mean, I'm not like praising these things either. Um, Google Stadia uh, is shutting down uh, uh, soon. Uh, they're actually issuing refunds to basically anybody who bought hardware and software by January 30th. I thought that was pretty cool of Google at the very least. Um, if you don't remember what Google Stadia was, it is basically a streaming service for games. But in my opinion, the implementation of it was kind of iffy. Um not so much because of the technology. I, I used PlayStation Now back in like 2015. I was actually pretty impressive. Played like racing games on there, fighting games. And like, you know, the delay is there for sure. Um, but if you're playing games casually, I think it's like perfectly fine for the most part, right? Um, and I, I honestly don't think that the people who are playing on consoles and things like that are people who are the target audience, something like Google Stadia. And I feel like that was one of the problems with the marketing is like, hey, we're an alternative to a console when I feel like they shouldn't even have the conversation of a console in the first place. I, I feel like the people who are going to buy Google Stadia or be interested in Google Stadia are people who would never get a console in the first place. You know, you're starting to dig into that like mobile market in some way, someone who only plays like games on their phone. And I think the big question you're asking at that point is like, would that person be interested in playing video games on a TV, you know, if it was super easy. And I feel like the only way you can really do that with a service like this is to literally just like ship, you know, cheap TVs that have game controllers with them. And then like a year, three months to a year of some gaming service for free. I'd say maybe even a year if you're willing to like eat into your profits that much. Um, and I feel like that would be the only way that you could really launch this project or product and be successful, honestly. So Personally, armchair businessman here. <laughs> but anyways, I just wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit. I think I've mentioned that before of how I think that is like a way streaming services can survive. Um, but, you know, the full details about this shutdown are out there if you're interested. I, I usually wouldn't talk about something like this, but it was something that I had an opinion on. So I was like, I thought it was worth kind of mentioning at the very least. And speaking of things getting shut down, here's something that I was only somewhat aware existed, but uh, the fact it's getting shut down is actually kind of spooky to some degree. Um, So Shin Megami Tensei, our good friends at Atlas who do not want you streaming their video games usually, um, and they're like, you can't stream after the first like five hours of the game or else we will will copyright claim your your YouTube account. they are shutting down fan servers for something called Shin Megami Tensei Imagine. I think it's called Me- Megami Tensei 
Tensei Imagine Online in Japan or something like that. So, but Imagine is the sub-brand of it. And they sued the people who were running those servers. And uh, basically they're saying there's some copyright claim stuff. They reproduce the website and things like that. And it's, it's kind of terrifying to see because they are like trying to get them to go to court and things like that. And I mean, obviously this is not a new thing per se, but you know, it's one of those things that like Atlas is not going to do anything with Shimigami Tensei. Imagine, you know, they're not going to relaunch that game most likely. And so it's just disappointing to see that this just basically gets shut down just for the sake of like, we got to protect our copyright kind of thing. Obviously that's the thing everybody says and, how whatever, you know, like, oh, we got to protect our property. If we don't protect it, then we open it up for other people to use it kind of thing. So, you know, I understand the logic behind it, but it, it it is just sad to see a server for a game that's being preserved be shut down. Hopefully there ends up being like some kind of underground scene for it. But the less successful this thing is, you know, the worse off it is. And like, I don't even imagine like that this would harm any current Atlas projects in any way. It's not like they're running. Well, I guess they're running like a mobile game, right? So maybe that's where you could go. But I just don't feel like somebody's going to go play the Shin Megami Tensei Imagine game over like a mobile game or something like that. So anyways, but yeah, it's like an online SMT game. Um, and I don't know anything about it, to be honest with you, but it is sad to see it go. The one thing in here that I think might be kind of up in the air is that they did claim that the team made money off the game. I don't really know what that means. If that maybe they're taking like server donations, maybe they literally were running a Patreon to like keep the servers up and they were profiting. Um, I didn't, didn't go too deep into the copyright infringement case for that, but um, yeah, it is just sad to see though. And the last story is, I was going to say somewhat positive of a story, but depending on who you are, you probably aren't happy about this either. <laughs> uh, Treasure Hunter Sid is coming to Chocobo GP. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a part of a battle pass, but he is in season four at the very least. Um, this is the Indiana Jones looking kind of Sid with like blonde hair and a ponytail. I like his design a lot. He has like a little pop gun kind of looking thing that he uses, I believe. So uh, there's another guy coming. I don't remember who he's called. Raphael. There's some other guy named Raphael coming, but anyways, I always like this design for Sid, but I've never played one of the Chocobo Tales games outside of Chocobo GP, so I don't actually know what he looks like, but his design is very cool, so welcome. You will not get me to play that video game again, I will say, Sid, but you you, you made me look at your Twitter feed and be like, yeah, cool, Sid's a cool guy, I hope, I hope he's in that video game, cool, 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 cool. Anyways, that's it for this week, thanks for coming. Uh, in terms of what's coming up, as I mentioned earlier, Patreon video this week. So we have the No More Heroes 2 review commentary if you're on the Patreon. If you're on the normal YouTube, you get the uh, podcast highlight for No More Heroes 3. No More Heroes 3 is launching on uh, other platforms, I believe, this week or at least next week. So, um, you know, that's why that's all lined up there in that way. Um, and then for the stream this week, it's up in the air at the moment. I, if I can plan ahead, I will update you. Otherwise you may just get a stream that shows up as like, Hey, I'm showing up in a couple hours and I'm going to play some windows 98 Dojin games or something like that. Um, and, and that might be what happens this week. So we'll see. Anyways, thank you guys so much for coming. Whitecontrolbar.com is the website. Again, you can listen to us on most podcast platforms, or you can watch the video version on YouTube. Please subscribe to us on Patreon to support me. That would be helpful. Also, I will be out this next week. I forgot. So I have to record some kind of filler podcast. So we're going to have a bit of a different podcast next week. Don't know what it's going to be, if it's going to be a ranking thing or what. So I will figure that out as well. So anyways, hope you guys have a great week. Bye.